Well, good morning. So good to see all of you. As Kanda said, my name is Matt and want to wish you a happy new year. So, so good to be back together, worshiping together in the house of the Lord here today. Uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Again, those of you with us for the very first time, such a privilege to have you here with us uh, this morning. Well, I don't know about you, but I absolutely love this time of year. Uh, the new year season is one of my favorites. And I've tried to make it a practice over the years that right after Christmas, right after, you know, getting through some of just the, the holiday rush to uh, take that last week of the year and just dial things down as much as I possibly can and just take some time to uh, evaluate, to look back on the year, uh, to just uh, evaluate some things, the, the, the struggles, uh, the failures, the successes, uh, the areas of growth, and just begin to uh, process through that. And think through what are some of the goals that were accomplished and, and celebrate some of that. What are some of the things that uh, didn't quite move forward the way that I wanted to and yet I want to give that another go and, and try that again. Or what are just some new things that are on my heart and things that the Lord is impressing on me and on my, my family. And so uh, I just, it just energizes me and I, I absolutely love it. And so maybe you're, you're like me and you love this, uh, this season of just kind of a uh, restart button, if you will, as you start a new year. Or maybe you're the exact opposite and you say, I hate this time of year. I mean, resolutions, goals, super lame, very dumb. They don't work. They're really frustrating. They're more discouraging than helpful. So I'm out on all that stuff. Uh, the whole new year thing. I don't like new things. I don't like things to change. I like things to stay the same uh, maybe you are coming in in that way. Well, however you are coming in with the new year and goals and resolutions and those kinds of things, wherever you find yourself on that spectrum, uh, I think you are going to love this series that we are starting here this morning called What to Wear. And we're excited about the series and, and, and we've been uh, working through this and we're, we're going to be in this series for uh, the next few weeks and Kondo and I are going to team teach this and work through it uh, together. So uh, very excited uh, about that. And my guess is, is that regardless of how 2016 shaped up for you, my, my guess is, is that you're looking into 2017 with some sense of hope and some sense of anticipation of, I, I hope this year... Can just, can just be a little bit better than last year. And, and maybe for you, maybe last year was a great year. Maybe 2016 was a landmark year for you, a, a year where you started a, a new relationship, maybe a marriage, maybe there was a, a birth in your family. And you look back at 2016 with just a ton of fondness and you say, it, it was great. And I'm looking at 2017 and I'm just hoping that maybe there's some more of that to come and that the momentum and the energy from that will continue. Or maybe uh, for you, 2016 was a terrible year. And you're looking at it and you're like, I am so glad that thing is in the rear view mirror. And I'm looking ahead and I'm just thinking, hoping, praying that there will be light at the end of this tunnel known as 2016. And that 2017 could be much better. Well, either way, wherever you uh, find yourself, maybe you're looking into this year and you're saying the whole idea of better year, I don't really know where to start with that. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know uh, how to uh, approach my year with a little bit more victory or, or a little bit more success or, or finding a little bit more meaning. Well, well here's the great news 
uh, for all of us. In this series, we're going to talk about not only how to have a great year, but how to absolutely win the year. And guess what? No resolutions are required. In fact, it's not about resolutions at all. It's about being prepared and showing up with the right outfit, which is why we're calling it What to Wear. Now, no, 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 this, this is not a, uh, a modesty series on one-piece bathing suits and, and that sort of thing. Um, you can study up on that on your own. But this is a series about being prepared and about having the right outfit. And, and we see, you know, areas where this can go wrong all the time. For instance, for instance, let's just say, um, sure, a, a Speedo may, may just barely be acceptable for a guy on the beach, okay? Like, that's somewhat acceptable, But you don't want to show up to this week's staff meeting in the conference room wearing a Speedo. Like, totally awkward and gross. Don't do that. Like, not appropriate. Not the right outfit that you want to wear. And sure, you can bum around your heated house and you can uh, wear, you know, t-shirt and shorts. And, you know, that's fine. But uh, don't go out and shovel the snow in your driveway in your t-shirt and shorts. Like, that's not being prepared. That's a poor decision. That actually gives your neighbor ammunition that you are actually crazy. See, I told you he's crazy. Now we can see how crazy he is. With all the bizarre uh, clown sightings of 2016... uh, don't go to Lowe's shopping in a clown outfit because I'm just telling you, someone's going to hit you over the head with a garden shovel and it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be your fault. Epic fail because you weren't prepared and you were wearing the wrong outfit. Well, sometimes beyond just awkward or inappropriate, there are moments where the wrong outfit can, can be disastrous, can be actually dangerous. Sure, go ahead and save up your $150 million and and, uh, buy your ticket to be the first civilian space traveler, take a trip to the moon. Uh, That's totally great. But when you get there, I would encourage you, don't step out of the spacecraft in a Hawaiian shirt and flip-flops. Like, deadly, disastrous decision for you. Don't go deep sea diving, scuba diving, without an oxygen tank. Don't go skydiving without... A parachute. You get the idea. There are many moments in life where you need to wear the right outfit. You need to be a little bit prepared. Now, as I was working on this and pulling this together, the Lord reminded me and and pulled from the deep recesses of my subconscious uh, probably one of my most absolute epic fails in this area. And after uh, much struggling and wrestling, I've decided to share this uh, with you. So, I was a college student at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, and it is the dead of winter, and I am absolutely sick. Uh, Full-on fever, like sweating, my voice is hoarse, raspy. Uh, I am not doing well. It's about 7 p.m., and I just decide in my dorm room, like, you know what? I'm out. I'm done with this day. Uh, Take, like, a supersized dose of NyQuil, you know, the, you know, nighttime sniffling, sneezing, stuffy head, so you can rest medicine thing. Like, I'm going to do this. It's going to knock me out. I'll wake up tomorrow, hopefully be back up to speed. This is going to be great. So I do. I take my NyQuil, get in bed. And about 15 to 20 minutes later, my phone rings, and it's my friend Jason, who is uh, directing the Moody Archers women's basketball game, the, the broadcast. He's directing the broadcast uh, for, the, for the TV, and uh, he's calling me, and he's like, hey, uh, Matt, listen, um, 
Our, our color commentator, uh, he can't make it tonight. Um, you, you've got some experience in that, right? Do you, do you think you could maybe like come and fill in for us? Now, see, Jason and I, we'd worked together um, on the campus TV show and, you know, had had some, you know, fun experiences doing that. And he knew that before coming to Moody, I had had some live sports experience. So he thinks, oh, maybe Matt could help. So he picks up the phone and he calls and he asks. And I'm, and I'm just kind of starting to get in this NyQuil-induced fog. And, and, and I say, yeah, um, yeah, but man, I'm, I'm actually kind of sick. He's like, oh man, Matt, please, please. This is a huge project. This is a really big deal. We've been spending all day getting set up for this. Uh, you know, Dave, he's going to do the play-by-play. He, he's great. If you could just come add some color, help him out, it'd be great. And man, we go on air in like 30 minutes. So if there's any way you could do this, it'd be amazing. All right, I'm running a fever. Uh, I'm 20 minutes in on some NyQuil. I'm already in bed. So I do what any sane, level-headed person would do when they have the chance to be on live TV. And I say, sure, I'll do it. I'll, I'll be down there in just a few moments. Um, now, quick background, quick, uh, just 30-second lesson for, for some of you non-sports fans. Just a quick picture of what's happening in a broadcast booth. Okay, so for, for a sporting contest in the broadcast booth, you have your play-by-play announcer. And the play-by-play announcer is doing just that. They are doing the play-by-play. They're describing for you as the viewers what you are watching and what is happening with the game. It's the, you know, Kerr dribbles up the court. He sees Jordan on the wings. He passes. Jordan fakes the right. He fakes the left. He turns, jumps. Bulls are winning by a million. That's your play-by-play announcer. That's their job. And then most sporting events have then a color commentator who's sitting next to the play-by-play announcer. Sometimes a big game, they'll have two and sideline reporters and the whole deal. Well, the color commentator, their job is to bring color or depth to the game. To, uh, you know, the play-by-play covers the game, but the color guy makes it more interesting. They know the backstory. They know the history, the practice regimen, the personal disciplines, the family background. Oftentimes, the color commentator is a former player or coach. So this is someone who knows the perspective of the player, what they're going through in their mind. They can describe what they're thinking, the emotion, the nerves, because they've been there. And it goes all hand-in-hand to make the broadcast all the more interesting. And let me tell you, the level of depth and preparation of a really good color commentator and play-by-play analyst is just incredible. And I've worked in some of these booths, and so I've had the opportunity to see this. And and you've seen it when they go to the shot in the booth, and the guy's kind of the the waist-up shot, and they're talking, and maybe some graphics behind them. Well, if the camera would pan down to the table, what you would see would be stacks and stacks and stacks of notebooks and papers and post-it notes and things stuck to screens and iPads and laptops open and Sharpies and highlighters, and they're crossing things out and they're marking things, and there's someone next to them feeding them more stats and things. And it's just this unbelievable effort of just preparing and just getting their mind around the players and the story of the game and the story behind the game. And it's just unbelievable to see it when it's done really well. So when Jordan makes that turnaround jumper, the color guy jumps right in and can say, you know, I was talking to Phil Jackson and he was sharing with me that Michael practices that shot 200 times before he walks off the practice court every single day. And then we as the viewers suddenly have this deeper appreciation for the game and for the effort that goes into it. 
And so the preparation of these guys, they can make the game really enjoyable. A great game can be even better. And oftentimes, a just terrible kind of boring game, they're the ones that can kind of keep you in and interested so that you keep watching. So if you go home today and you watch some football or basketball, just, just keep your ears open for this. And I, I'm telling you, you will start to understand and you'll start to hear like, I think this guy's not prepared at all. Or I think this guy knows his stuff and what he's talking about. Okay, so back to Moody Bible Institute. I throw on some sweats. Uh, I walk five blocks down through the snow and into the gym and up to the broadcast booth. And Jason swings around. And he goes, oh, thank goodness you're here. Oh, my goodness. This is so good. Oh, what are you wearing? Ooh, shoot. I forgot. I mean, I thought you would have known. And, and oh, man. And I look over and here's Dave, the play-by-play guy in a collared shirt and a tie. And here I am in sweats. And I'm thinking, yeah, you're right. A lot of broadcast guys wear suits and ties. Um, I didn't know that, but I mean, this is just the Moody Archers broadcast system. So I didn't realize we were taking this thing so seriously, um, but okay. So I showed up wearing the wrong outfit. So, I mean, at this point, like the game's starting to move along. I can hear the anthem. Jason starts unbuttoning his collared shirt and he's like, here, you're going to wear my shirt. I'll wear your sweatshirt. Let's trade out. At least you'll be in a collared shirt. And they put on a headset, they hand me a lineup card, they sit me down, you know, uh, shake hands with Dave. He's awesome. He does the introductory lineups, he introduces me, and he just starts calling the game. And I'm just sitting there, I'm like, man, this is so cool. Like, how fun is this? And usually I'm kind of, you know, behind the, the scenes and the camera, and this is, this is really fun, and I'm just kind of watching the game. And it's occurring to me, like, wow, this is my first game to ever come to here at Moody. Huh. It's interesting. And um, just kind of watching and realizing and looking at the girls playing and thinking like, I don't know any of these girls at all. And then I get this sense that uh, Dave is kind of looking over at me. And then I can hear in my ear, because I can hear one ear Dave's play-by-play and the other ear I can hear Jason directing the game. And I can, Dave's kind of leaning over and I can hear Jason, Matt, say something. The game's been going for three minutes and you haven't said anything yet. And then just like snap out of it like, oh, right. Okay, so I just kind of freeze up and, and just freak out. Like, I, okay. And so I just start going play by play with it. Like, forget the color commentating. I don't know what to do. So I just start, you know, and she dribbles up the court and she passes. And again, I don't know the name. So I just start calling them by their numbers. And, you know, it just becomes really awkward. And I can feel my voice is going and it's hoarse and it's raspy. And um, all of a sudden, then I can hear Jason in my ear, Matt, stop talking. You're the color. Throw it back to Dave. Throw it back to Dave. And so I throw it back to Dave. And it's at this point that it just absolutely sets in. And I realize I've made a huge mistake. Like this was a terrible decision to, to commit to doing this. I didn't show up dressed right. I wasn't the least bit prepared. I didn't know anything about the game and the backstory and the players, nothing. Now, this is where God is gracious to me. And I think the NyQuil started to take its full effect because I don't remember a whole lot else of what happened except for one last really terrible moment where I'm pretty convinced at this moment they, they gave me the hook. Um, but Jason comes up to me at halftime and he hands me a microphone and he says, go down outside the locker room and interview. And he names a couple players, uh, interview them as they come out of the locker room for halftime. I go, what? And he goes, yeah, just go down, interview them. They're the top scores of the half, you know, talk to him about the game. And I'm thinking like, okay, right. Yeah, I've, I've seen this happen before. Okay. And uh, so I go down, there's a stage manager down there. The girls come out. 
they're both like a foot taller than me. And, um, you know, the, the stage manager introduces me, we shake hands, and I thank them for their time. And I can hear Dave in my ear rattling off the halftime stats. And then Jason goes, okay, Matt, get ready. We're getting ready to come to you. And then I hear Dave in my ear say, and let's go down to the locker rooms where Matt Duell is standing with. And again, he names these players. But again, I'm just kind of freezing up and, and NyQuil effects and all these things. And I, I, again, I just freeze and I can't remember these girls' names. And um, I, I have no idea what's been going on in this game at all. And I just finally look over and I say, look at their jerseys. I go, well, I'm standing here with number 12 and number 17. Uh, how's it going out there? And I just hand them the mic. And this one girl looks down at me like, you're an idiot. And I'm like, I know, it's really terrible. I'm so sorry. And... Um, she answers the question and, and hands the mic back to me. And I'm just looking at them and they're looking at me. And I just start laughing. <laughs> like uncontrollably laughing. And I turn to the camera and I go, Dave, back to you. <laughs> oh, man. I think people changed majors. I think that project failed. Uh, you know, some people haven't watched sports since then, but... Man, fortunately, my friends didn't hate me forever. Uh, it was so crazy. I was wearing the wrong clothes. Uh, so wrong, they changed me into someone else's clothes. I was not the least bit prepared. And we could go on and on with these kind of examples. And you know and I know that life requires a certain sense of being prepared. And in many situations, it comes down to wearing the right thing. Did you know that the Bible tells the followers of Jesus that we are at war. That was true last year. That's true as we launch into this year. We are in a cosmic battle against spiritual unseen forces who will not be satisfied until we are derailed, discredited, and destroyed. And if we do not go into that daily, yearly war prepared, it could be more than just awkward, it can be deadly. If we go in not prepared, we could lose more than just a year. And unfortunately, just like I did at Moody, many of us, we roll out of bed every day far too often and just march right into the high stakes battle for the soul completely unprepared. And we wonder why day after day and year after year, we have this sense of just feeling defeated. We see little, if any, progress, no Impact. The Spirit is whispering cues in our ear, calling us to step up into big moments, but we just aren't ready. We are at war, and if we are not preparing to win, we're preparing to lose. And, and believe it or not, being prepared to win the war we are in is all about what we wear. But don't take my word for it. If you have a copy of the scriptures, open to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to see what the Bible has to say about the war and the wardrobe. Now, Ephesians is a letter in the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul. He is a prisoner uh, to the Romans. And so he's in a Roman prison and he's writing this letter to the church in Ephesus around 62 A.D. Now, we've studied a good bit of Ephesians around here, and so we've talked about before how this is uh, one of the only letters in the New Testament, the only moment in Paul's letters that is not dealing with some kind of specific confrontation or problem or drama in the church. It's as if someone says to Paul, hey, Paul, if you could say 
anything, anything at all to the church in Ephesus about Christianity, about their faith, about the ways they should begin to think and live their lives in relationship to God, how they should follow Jesus, what is it you would say? And the passage we're about to read is the final chapter from this letter. So if you think about someone sharing their best thoughts, the closing remarks would be saved to leave a lasting impression. So let's take a look. Ephesians 6.10. We're going to be studying this passage for the next few weeks. I'm going to read through just the whole passage right now, and then we'll step back and talk through the first few verses. Here we go. Verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand... Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Okay, back in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. As we face a new year and as we look towards the challenges that we face and the struggles that we face, where is our power? Where is our source of life? Where are we focusing in on to find the resources and the tools that we need to face our day-to-day battles? Is it in our power, in our might, in our thinking? No, be strong in the Lord, in his mighty power. Are you feeling weak, susceptible to temptation, too worn out to face another day? I'd encourage you to find strength in the Lord and in his power. It may be that one of the main issues facing you as you start a new year is just this transition of power from your shoulders to his. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now remember, Paul is telling the church how to best live and follow Jesus. And he's saying, put on armor. This is a fight. This is a battle. We are at war. And you are not strong enough to do it on your own. You need strength from the Lord and you need to put on some armor. Why do we need armor? Well, for protection, to to be prepared to fight. This is the outfit that has been created for us as Christ followers. And yet let's be really, really clear about something. Who is it that we're heading to fight? Non-Christians, 
people who don't believe, people who oppose our views. Maybe we're fighting those on the left or those on the right, depending on our political leanings. Are we fighting ISIS? Take your stand against the devil's schemes, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. What is flesh and blood? It's you. It's me. It's our neighbors. It's mankind. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I mean, how can you say that? Are you watching the news? Are you seeing the world around us? People have lost their minds. People are getting off of airplanes and coming out of bathrooms and firing guns into crowds. A white man sitting in a prayer meeting at a black church in South Carolina kills nine people and then stands in a courtroom of his peers and says that he does not regret what he did. A black group kidnaps and tortures a white special needs teenager in Chicago and streams it live on Facebook. What do you mean our struggle is not against flesh and blood? Didn't you just hear what she said? Didn't you see what he tweeted? Haven't you ever seen the way that they interact and he treats her? I don't know about you, but I see a lot of struggle with flesh and blood. It's all around us, obviously. And yet Paul tells us our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is a war, and as followers of Jesus, we are in the middle of it. And these rulers of darkness, these spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms are at work to try and bring as much destruction and pain and devastation and evil as possible. And if we are not preparing ourselves and suiting up with the armor of God, then we are walking through life completely unprepared. We look at the struggles in front of us and we chalk it up to what we see right in front of us is this experience with flesh and blood. It's them. It's their fault. It's her fault. It's his fault. These people. And we focus on this us versus them mentality and we fail to recognize the reality of the war that is being waged in our hearts and in our homes and all around us every single day. The devil is scheming against you and he has no plans to stop it. And it's time for us to open our eyes to this reality. Verse 13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Put on the full armor of God so that you can be ready when the day of evil comes. Well, obviously evil has been around since the beginning. We know that, we see that, we experience that. But I believe now, more than ever, in the world that we live, in the connectedness that we experience because of our technology and the ability to communicate around the globe instantly, there is a megaphone that is broadcasting evil at an unprecedented level. And when evil is broadcast so consistently and so constantly and so loudly, it sows in seeds of fear and doubt and disillusionment. And when fear begins to tighten its grip, we go into self-preservation. 
Let me protect me. Let me protect my stuff. Let me protect my lifestyle. And we become more and more inoculated with the crisis that is growing around us. And we become less and less effective at fighting off the enemy and seeing the devil for who he is. We find ourselves getting our butts kicked emotionally, spiritually, and this idea of following Jesus starts to become impractical. And if we haven't already been discredited, we just give up. We can create a lot of goals for our year. And in some of these goals, we can have moderate or maybe even no success. And we can come to them and we can say, oh, well, no big deal. I'll try again next year. But not this. This this is something, this is something that requires a level of preparation and readiness that we cannot afford to miss. We must put on God's wardrobe and gain an understanding of what it means to engage in this spiritual war. In the coming weeks, we're going to talk more about the armor. But first, there's this crazy story in the book of Acts. It involves Paul, the author of Ephesians, and it gives a really vivid uh, picture of someone fighting the war totally prepared and finding his power in the Lord. And then there's also the alternate of some people who think they have what it takes to engage in this spiritual battle and they totally get their butts kicked. And this story is so good, you're not going to believe it. So you can uh, turn over to Acts chapter 19. Acts 19. Acts 19 verse 11. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. What? This is so crazy to see this level of of power. This is nothing that any man could manufacture. This is someone who is dialed in with the source. This is a picture of what we would love to see as individuals and as a church. God doing the extraordinary in and through us. We long to see what is sick and what is hurt and what is broken being healed and restored in us and through us. Now wanting to make an impact, that's not where the problem lies. The, The challenge doesn't lie in desire. We actually have a community of people here who I believe are all about this. Our issue, it often lies in execution and how we try to get there. It goes terribly wrong when we try and generate God's work through artificial means. God's results through human resolutions. You see, oftentimes we try to force this lasting, life-changing work of God through our own power and our own thinking and artificial means. And we end up with these short-lived, very frustrating results. And more than that, we end up losing the battle that we're in. And if you look at what is happening here with Paul, again, it is just so completely supernatural. Handkerchiefs and aprons that have touched Paul are being used to heal the sick. It reminds me of the story in Matthew chapter 9 where Jesus is making his way through this this crowd. And there's this woman who's been sick for years and years and years. And she just has this faith and this belief that if she can just go and touch the hem of Jesus' garment, she can be healed through his power, through the power of the Father, through Jesus. And so Jesus is making his way through this crowd and he goes, who did that? Who touched me? Their power just left me. Like he felt this. 
And disciples are like, Jesus, there's people all around you. Like tons of people are touching you. He's like, no, no, no. Someone touched me that has this faith and this belief in the power of my father. And see, that is what it looks like as Paul writes in Ephesians to be strong in the Lord and mighty in his strength and to trust him and to look to him as the source of our life and our power and our strength. Paul is not operating in his own strength, but in the strength of God through the name of Jesus Christ. And yet right after this vivid picture of Paul's ministry, we get this story of some people who loved what they saw and they wanted to experience some of it, but through some human means, they experienced much different results. Verse 13, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Now, these guys thought the whole casting out demons thing was was really cool, like impressive, and they wanted in on it. They started going door to door and and just trying to uh, just copy and uh, imitate what they had seen Paul do. And I bet they had some followers that were really impressed with them and their boldness and their courage. And wow, who does this? It probably looked really legit. And they may even had some uh, actual results and started to draw a crowd. I mean, they had the right credentials. Take a look, verse 14. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. These were religious church folk. I mean, their dad was kind of a big deal. He's the religious leader in the community. These guys, they grew up around God stuff. They probably went to church camp and they had a great religious education. And I'm sure their attendance at the temple was just on point. But appearances can be deceiving. And things are about to go very wrong. Verse 15. One day the evil spirit answered them. Jesus I know. And Paul I know about. But who are you? Who are you? Hell has never heard of these guys. Now the people around here, they might know you. But don't bring your weak poser game up in here. We don't know you. You ain't got nothing. These guys get called out for bringing an artificial human weapon to a spiritual fight. But before we judge them too quickly, can we take a moment of honesty and just admit that many of us often do the same thing? Armor of God, what? What? I mean, what, what's, that, what's that all about? I mean, yeah, I'm all about the, coming to church, sing a few songs, li- listen to a message, but confess my sins. Whoa, whoa, whoa that, that, seems, that seems a bit personal. And read and, and meditate on, on God's word. I don't, I don't open myself up to a community of believers. I don't, people don't know me. I don't look past the surface and take up the fight with forces of evil. This is all sounding just a little intense and kind of crazy. I mean, I was going to start this year just reading this Francis Chan book, and I was going to do it on Monday nights instead of watching The Bachelor, and I mean, that's what DVRs are for, and you're talking about fighting the spiritual war? Like, what? And we're showing up to this war unarmed and undressed and unprepared to engage. 
And hell just isn't concerned about our weak attempts to be close to a church or reading a book and copycatting. That's just not what brings meaningful, lasting impact. It may work for a while, but eventually you will be exposed and you may get your butt kicked. Look at what happens next. You just cannot make this stuff up. Verse 16. Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Well, that's awkward. I mean, these casting out demon, amazing ministry guys, all of a sudden just get their butts kicked by a demon, bloody and streaking down the street. And yet that's a picture of many of us. The years continue to beat us up. Trusting Jesus with our marriage and our relationships and our finances and our career, it just spits and sputters. And we come back to a new year and we say, I'm going to do better this year. And we try to tweak some things through goals and resolutions. And yet we are unprepared and we are wearing the wrong clothes. Like me on that fateful night at the women's basketball game, at some point it will occur to you made a huge mistake. I'm not prepared for this at all. And these are the moments that through the grace of God, we can open ourselves up to him and seek him for true change and true power. Ask him to forgive us of our sins and fill us up with his power and his might. Ask him to give us eyes to begin to not focus on the battles of flesh and blood in front of us, but to see through those because those are the wrong battles and to help us to see the actual real war that is happening around us, this spiritual battle. And to seek him for what it means to, as we get physically dressed every day, that we would be diligent to dress ourselves in the armor of God. Now, again, we will talk more about the armor and what that means in the coming weeks. In the meantime, as we wrap up, I want to challenge you to just do a couple of things and start these things this this week. First, I would love for you to commit with us to memorize this passage in Ephesians 6. This is something that uh, both Kondo and I are going to do, and uh, we would love for you to join us because we want the truth of God to take root in our lives this year so that we can begin to actually find power in it. So join us in just pouring over and reading this passage and beginning to commit it to memory. The second thing I would love for you to do is just begin to observe the struggle this week. We all have it. We all have these moments of of struggle and, and strife, and whether it's interactions at home or at work or at school, whatever it may be, begin to look at the struggle and look at it and ask God to show it to you with new eyes. Rather than just seeing this person in front of you or hearing this story about people out there and just seeing it for what it is on the surface, begin to ask God to help you to see through to the spiritual battle that is at place. Maybe the person around you that's causing the strife and struggle. Maybe there is something deeply spiritual going on that needs addressing and needs prayer and needs help and needs the love of Jesus. 
And just fighting it out and bickering it out and trying to figure it out is not going to get you anywhere. But seeing through it to the spiritual realm, well, that could actually be a step towards victory. So ask God to give you eyes to observe the struggle well. Work on memorizing this passage, observe the struggle. I'm going to pray for us here in a moment. And finally, this is the last thing I would ask you to do. As we leave here today, take a moment, find somebody you don't know, and just introduce yourself. Name, talk about how was your holiday. We've got to get better at what it means to interact as a body. Because as brothers and sisters, we are in this war together, and we need each other far more than we could ever imagine. And as we begin to interact and we begin to uh, be known and know others, again, we're going to find this depth and this spiritual perspective that will actually help us to take steps forward in our faith together. So after this, I'm going to be down here. I'd love to say hi or pray with you if you'd like prayer. We have our connector team out in the hall. They would love to greet you. Our guest services in the lobby, they would love to talk to you. Please interact with some people. Don't get out of here without saying hello to at least someone. Let me pray. Father God, thank you so very much for the blessing of a new year. God, each new day, each new year is just an absolute tangible sign of your faithfulness and your provision and just even the ways that you provide and you give us the gift of life, the way that you place breath in our lungs for another day. And Lord, we've been given today. It's all that's been given to us. It's all that has been promised. And Lord, we want to steward this gift of time well. So Father, I ask that you would begin to just open up our heart and our perspective to the spiritual war that's going on in and around us. And God, we would go to you, the source for power and for strength. That we would start to offload some of the things that we are doing in our own strength and through our own power. And we would look to you and only you. And that we could find rest and comfort and peace through a Father who knows us so well and knows exactly what we need. And Lord, may we be faithful in holding one another up and having each other's back in this spiritual battle. God, we want this year, not just to be a good year, but we want to win this year for the sake of the gospel. So lead us in that way, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.